Good morning, everyone, and welcome to a special edition of A Vision for You. Today is Sunday, September 8, 2013. My name is Leah, and I am your moderator for this morning. Today's focus is Step 4. The big book says that Step 3 has no permanent effect unless we follow it at once by removing the things that block us off from God. So while Step 3 is a vital and crucial step, it has no permanent effect unless we follow it with actions, beginning with Step 4. Step 4 made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Here to speak this morning on Step 4 is Lori. Lori, a recovered compulsive overeater from Winnipeg, Canada, spends much time intensively working with other compulsive overeaters and carrying this message of recovery. It is now my pleasure to welcome Lori to the line. Uh, good morning, everyone. Thank you, Leah. Uh, very uh, happy to be here. Um, a lot of things to say about step four. I'm going to try and say what I can in about uh, an hour and a half, uh, always from the big book uh, perspective. Uh, so I, I will be uh, going quickly over things. I can tell you, uh, however, that if for a lot more detail and a lot of information and for forms that uh, were developed, by a, a, an AA or who has given permission to have them used in OA, um, I recommend that you go to a website, uh, www.oabigbook, all one word, O-A-B-I-G-B-O-O-K, dot info, and you can, you can download the, the forms um, that are based on the big book. Uh, Leah's introduction to this uh, is, is very meaningful. The big book is really clear that we don't stay at step three. We don't wait for something to happen to us at step three. Um, we go on to step four very quickly. Um, I just want to go back just uh, very slightly to talk about the effect of big th- uh, step three and what step three is, is all about. Step three is to make a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understood God. And the, the big book uh, basically says that's, that's a decision. It's a very simple decision. What, you're either going to do it or you're not, and there's a prayer to be said. The big book does, however, spend quite a bit of time explaining what the nature of that decision is. What are we deciding? What, what, are, what does it mean to turn our will over? What does it mean to turn our, our uh, life over? I'm not going to go over step three, but I'll only point out that at the be- uh, uh, for about four pages, the big book our need to be in charge of life as being the most uh, as being the thing that blocks us off from our higher power and our the whole point of these steps is to bring us in harmony with our higher power to take away the things that block us from our higher power uh, so the big book identifies self and the wish to be in charge of life and our various reactions our various reactions to the fact that life we aren't in charge of life even though we'd like to be uh, is either we, we try harder to, to have life go our way or we uh, just isolate ourselves and give up. Either way, it, uh, uh, it, it's our general frustration, anger, uh, concern, sadness, uh, self-pity uh, that life isn't going the way we think it should uh, that uh, is, uh, is killing us and blocking us off from our higher power. So the, the purpose of steps four through nine is to unblock 
those things that are blocking us from our higher power and to get rid of the sense of self and self-righteousness, uh, in a sense, that, um, that, are continuing to, uh, uh, that is continuing to block us. Um, it is true that the steps as written on the wall describe step four as being the inventory process. The big book, however, describes the inventory process as being, as I read it at any rate, steps four through nine. In steps four and five, we identify our defects of character. In steps six and seven, we, we are ready and we ask uh, our, our higher power to remove our defects of character. And in steps eight and nine, we actually do these things that will remove those defects of character. Guaranteed, they will remove them. Um, and it's, it's an entire process where we take inventory, and the big book points this out on uh, page um, 64, where it says, therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. So step four is starting on it. It's not finishing. And the big book goes on and explains that we have to face and then to be rid of the things that are... Um, are blocking us off and um, to face them is steps four and five to get rid of them promptly without regret is steps six seven eight and nine that's important i mean it sounds theoretical and and, and wordsmithing but it's, it's important when we get to understanding what step 10 is all about so i'll only mention now the big book way of doing an inventory is not the only way there are hundreds if not thousands of ways of doing them i certainly i have a master file of I don't know, probably about 100 ways of doing step four. I would say that the main criteria of a good step four method uh, are, are the following. First, that, they don't, uh, that the method does not take such a length of time that you end up relapsing while you're doing it. I, I think that's a major criteria. Second, that it doesn't make you feel so bad about yourself that you end up relapsing before you finish it. Um, and I would say that those are the only two major criteria because any time you really start to analyze your uh, wish to be in charge of life and, and compare that uh, to uh, what you should be doing, any time you focus uh, attention on sort of what's wrong with what's been going on in your life, uh, you'll, you'll get an understanding of that. First time I did a step four, it was not anything like what I've been taught to do now. Um, but when I did my step five, I was with a very understanding and wonderful person um, who was able to guide me through the things that I now learn in, when I do step four. But I had to learn them in step five. Big deal. Uh, as long as we end up sharing about ourselves, I don't think there's a big problem with how to do it. The big book method, however has some real advantages in addition to meeting the two criteria that I've set out for a good step four. Uh, there are a couple of other uh, wonderful things about it. Uh, first of all, it is, it is really fast. It, it can be done in, well, I, I mean, I, I know someone who did it in a, in a day. I wouldn't recommend it, but certainly it can be done in, in a few weeks. And uh, if it's not done within six weeks, I always say to my, my sponsees, either you're in a coma uh, or you're, uh, you're avoiding it uh, because it really requires maybe 15 minutes to a half an hour a day to do. Uh, secondly, and, and, and this really is part of this, uh, uh, the quality, it's really simple. It requires certain sort of very basic things to be done 
that that don't um, that aren't full of introspections and things of that sort. You're just sort of talking about what's on your mind, and as you go through what's on your mind, you begin to learn truths about yourself that are are overwhelmingly powerful. Um, third, uh, it it has within the step four itself the seeds of steps eight and nine. Uh, as we'll see, the 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 resentment. Uh, there are three different forms that are used, three different approaches that the big book takes. First, we look at resentments. Next, we look at fears, and next, we look at sex conduct. Uh, as we will see, the fears and the sex conduct form build up on the resentment form, take the defects of character that are listed, and and teach us as we fill them out how we can be different people from the people who have those fears and have the relationship issues that are disclosed in the sex conduct form. And, and so that by the time you finish your step four, uh, the big book way, you have an understanding of how you can be different and how your defects, how you can live without these defects characters. I think that's, that's really significant. And um, I think that's about the, the, those are the main reasons why it's so powerful. Um, I, I, uh, I really recommend it, although I know many people who have not used these forms and or have not used the big book method and have still recovered. So I, uh, although I like it, I, I do think that uh, uh, there are other ways of doing it. Not that I do them. <laughs> so let, let me start off by uh, talking about uh, the big book's approach. Uh, the overview is this. A resentment is something that bothers us. And we use the resentment form to isolate the things that are bothering us and work from the things that are bothering us to where our defects of character are. We will find using the big book approach that we have only four defects of character. They're big ones. They inform the rest of our lives, but there are only four of them. The wonderful thing about having only four defects of character is that when, when you reach step six and seven, you will really want to be rid of them. You're, you're not going to go through any major soul-searching saying, do I really, really, really want to keep this defect of character? As you know, our OA 12 and 12 uh, uses uh, as a whole list of a uh, whole bunch of uh, potential character defects. Some of them, I, I must say, I, I don't think are character defects. They're actions. Uh, arising from character defects. Gossiping, for instance, is an action. It's not a character defect. It's an action. Uh, and as we'll see for, uh, from um, from the big book analysis, it all stems from the four character defects that uh, that uh, I, I, I will uh, identify uh, from the big book. Um, so that we, we end up with only four, and we're really, really, really ready to get rid of them in step six uh, and seven. Um, and and I, I find that very powerful. So we move from very simple questions to uh, very complex answers, even though it's a very simple and gradual uh, movement. And, and, and we'll find out at the end of the resentment form uh, how truly powerful it is. So I, I, let's just get down to it. Uh, I, I, I want to uh, remind uh, everyone that from the big book's point of view, some words are used in the uh, inventory, and especially the word selfish, 
that are not the dictionary definitions. The meaning of them is not from the dictionary. Uh, the meaning of them is defined within the, the, the big book itself. And I'll, I'll talk about that when we get to the, get to, um, the text of the character. So you can either have the form or you can just do it on a piece of paper. I've sort of memorized the form, so I just do it on a piece of paper. The big book says the first thing we do is write down, make a list in column one of the people, institutions, and principles that bother us. They use the word angry. Uh, I really recommend that you think beyond that and think of the words that bother us. These are the what-ifs and the if-onlys of our lives. These are the people maybe whom we've hurt as opposed to people who've hurt us or others. They're people who just annoy us. Uh, they are some of the most significant things in our lives and some of the silliest things in our lives, but they're the things, the people and the things that bother us. Uh, I, I've, I've put down on the list, I've put my wife down, I've put, uh, you know, uh, Hitler down, I've put certain politicians down, um, I've also put down a guy who once uh, ran me off the road uh, when I was riding my bicycle, I've put down people who use cell phones in theaters. Uh, you know, uh, they're, these are from the horrible and, and the difficult. I put down people I've wronged, uh, people who just annoy me because of manners of, uh, uh, mannerisms of speech. Um, nothing is too trivial, and, of course, nothing is too deep uh, to be put down. Um, what's important, though, is you put down what's on your mind now, not what you think should be on your mind. Uh, you, you may have dealt with some issues and they no longer bother you, even though they were very deep at the time. Uh, you, you, you may have had someone die at an early age and have gone through grief therapy and no longer, uh, while, while you miss that person that's not, and, and you may think about that person, it's not, uh, you, you've accepted the death and, and it no longer bothers you. you may, uh, a friend of mine was, was um, uh, sexually uh, assaulted when she was a child went through uh, years of therapy. By the time she reached away, it was completely dealt with in her mind. There was no need for her to write that down. It, it was not her mind. So she didn't even write down the person who, who was the uh, perpetrator of, of, of the horrible uh, things that happened to her. So it's what's on your mind now. So uh, people are people. You write them down. Uh, you, you, you make a list. Um, institutions are collections of people. Uh, the advice I was given is that if you don't know the names of the people, you write down the name of the institution. If there are people within that institution that bother you, you might also want to write those names down too. I have, for instance, uh, written down particular talk show hosts who bother me, and then I've written down talk show hosts in general as a, as a class of people who bother me. Uh, just as an example, I, I've, I've had as an institution the justice system. I, I'm a lawyer, and and I haven't always felt that there's, I haven't always, I don't think I've ever felt that there was uh, justice within that system. So I've written down the justice system, but there, there have been uh, particular clients, particular lawyers, particular judges, uh, for instance, that I've also put down uh, who, ha who, have in who have specifically uh, bothered me. Principles is not discussed, uh, the meaning of that is not discussed in the big book, but I, I think a principle is generally any fact or anything that you believe to be true that you wish were not true. Um, you know, I've written down things like uh, I'm lonely or I'll never find true happiness. 
um, uh, I'm I'm fat. I will never lose weight. Um, the world is is collapsing. Uh, uh, there is horrible suffering in this world, and no one's doing anything. No one's doing enough about it. I mean, again, some of the least significant things in, in, in a broad perspective, you know, I'm lonely. I mean, obviously it's important to me, but it's not that important to the world, uh, to the most significant things, like we're on the brink of disaster. Um, whatever it is, if it bothers you, write it down. And don't censor yourself. Whatever it is, if it bothers you, write it down. So that's the first column. Um, and uh, if you know you've got a parent, you've got a loved one uh, who, are, who are troubling you, uh, if you know that you're, you're going to be writing down a lot in the second column, then I advise leaving a lot of space. Um, the forms make it easier, and you can copy the forms. Uh, usually, it's, it's what's called landscape mode. You you put uh, a, a you know a, a letter-sized thing on on its on its end, so you have a horizontal uh, length horizontally. So that's simple, and and you know it's it's amazing what happens when you do that. You you, you begin to realize how many things are percolating in your mind. Uh, you might want to write down, write these things down in an evening, and then the next day uh, you'll have more come up. At least that's been uh, my experience, experience of people who have used these forms. Uh, you'll just have this sense of, boy, have I been thinking a lot about things. And, and some of them will be silly, and, and you'll realize how silly they are, and some of them will be very deep, and you'll know, boy, this is a problem. This is a huge thing. This is really... Uh, I think about this all the time. And again, it's only things that you're thinking about now. Uh, don't, don't try and write down things that you think you should be thinking about if only you thought about them. They don't bother you. They don't bother you. In the second column, we write down in point form why these things are on our mind. And, and it's point form. I, I, you know, the big book example on page uh, 65, uh, I haven't counted, but... But um, I heard a big book study uh, person say that, that the longest uh, point there is 19 words. So he gives his sponsees an extra word. They can have no more than 20 words in a point. And uh, I, think, I think that's very important. You would, you would want to write down in very point form. And, and from the way I do step five, uh, it's, it's really it's even simpler because you're you know, that, that part of it is, is not going to be read off to anyone. So you can use your own shorthand about it. Um, you would write down the things that, uh, why those things, those people, institutions, and principles are on the list. And I can, I can uh, give you uh, all kinds of examples about that. Uh, I'll start with a person who was on my list and was a very, very difficult uh, Someone I, I obsessed over, and that, and that was uh, Hitler. Uh, I, I, I grew up, uh, I am Jewish, and I grew up in the 50s, and, and uh, you know, the, the whole Holocaust was a, was a huge um, uh, weight on me. I, I mean, uh, it, just, it just obsessed me. Uh, but when I wrote down Hitler, uh, I put down only four points uh, about why he was on the list. Each one of those points, of course, is a whole story in and of itself. So I'll just give you an example. I, I would have written down something like spawned anti-Semitism. You can imagine the backdrop to that, but that's that one. Second, uh, responsible for the death of millions. I mean, that is like a huge story. A third, got away with it. 
henceforth it could happen again. So each one of those is a huge thing that I could, I, I can't write that well, but if I wanted to write about it, I could write, you know, chapters and chapters about each one of them, but that's enough. That's all I need. Um, you know, when my, my daughter was, um, uh, I, my, I, I have a daughter who's the most wonderful person, but there was a time when she was between 12 and 16 that, that we were having a few problems uh, with her. You know, and I, 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 she was on my list, that's for sure. And, you know, I would put down things like, is going to harm her chances of going to university? She wasn't working well at school. Um, and, and then once I put that down, I said, uh, will reflect, I realized another reason that that was on this, will reflect on me as a parent. I hadn't realized that until I wrote that down. Um, so you, you begin to discover things as you write them down that, uh, uh, you know, you, as I wrote down a uh, uh, particular talk show host, I, I may have written down something like uh, distorts the truth has a personal agenda, um, may influence other people um, uh, to believe in things that aren't true. Uh, and then I, I, uh, I may have written down, uh, I could be a talk show host. Uh, I, I'm smarter than he is. I could be a talk show host. And I begin to realize things about myself that are, that are also involved. Uh, there are many examples, and, and you'll, you'll find some, some examples if you go to that website, oabigbook.info, uh, and follow some of the links. You'll find a, a number of examples of things that people have put down. Um, you know, the, 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 the guy who cut me off as, uh, on, uh, on my bicycle you know, could have killed me. And then when I wrote that down, uh, could kill other people. And then I, I, the third thing I, I, I probably put down is, could have killed me, you know, as opposed to just could have killed me, but could have killed me. I don't deserve to die, and I, I'm, I'm more important than anyone else. And I began to realize uh, things about myself that, uh, uh, that I had not realized when I wrote that down. It doesn't matter whether you discover things like that or not. You just write down what bothers you. You might have a spouse who, who uh, doesn't do the dishes uh, and who you aren't certain loves you as much as you love that person. I mean, those are two really, really different things, but I'd put both of those down because they both bother you, if, if, that's, the, if that, that's the fact. So in the first column, we're just sort of putting down on paper the things that are boiling and roiling around in our mind, and that's a relief. In the second column, we're writing down in point form the things about those people, institutions or principles, that are bothering us. And... Writing those things down uh, also begins to isolate not the people that are bothering us or the institutions that are bothering us or even the principles, but how they're affecting me or you. We begin to realize that whether if anyone did those things, it would bother us. Or what's more interesting, we sometimes discover that it's only if those people are doing things, not other people who are doing things, uh, that bother us. You know, there may be one particular person who annoys me because of certain speech mannerisms and methods of conversation, but that person may be the same as 10 other people in my life who don't bother me, who do exactly the same thing. And that means that I have to figure out why that person is bothering me and not the other 10. Um, and that's all the second column. Very simple stuff. It's not intensive uh, work, uh, sort of going into your whole soul. It's just 
thinking about these things and writing down on paper uh, what what bothers you. This is uh, about the most writing you'll be doing, and it's it's not a lot of writing, and, and I think you can see how quickly it can be done. So that's the second column. And in all of these forms and all of the ways the big book's doing it, you, you, you finish one column before you go on to the next. Um, and you do that in order to concentrate on the subject matter of that particular column, and you begin to see a bunch of patterns. If you've written down five friends in column one, and then you write down the causes, the, why, these things, why these friends are bothering you in column two, by the time you finish the first or the second friend, you'll almost certainly begin to say ditto, ditto, ditto about the things that are bothering you about the other three. Uh, you'll find that your reactions to a bunch of people and the things that bother you are very similar uh, from person to person. And that's why you do each column before you go on to the next, uh, because you, you begin to see these patterns, and the patterns are really insight, insightful. That's, that's column two, and a, a very simple column in and of itself. Column three has six subcategories, uh, and each one of these requires you to consider whether, the thing, whether each thing in column two affects that particular subcategory. The big book doesn't give instructions for this. My own experience is it's best to do each subcategory one at a time. So the first subcategory is self-esteem. Does the particular thing that I've written down as a point in column two affect my self-esteem, how I feel about myself? If so, you put a little check mark beside it, beside the, the point. So if I've written down, uh, you know, under Hitler, spawned anti-Semitism responsible for the death of millions, got away with it, and it could happen again, those four points, I ask myself, first of all, does the fact that Hitler spawned anti-Semitism affect my self-esteem? Well, I consider that. I mean, it, it, it really depends, uh, you know, from, from week to week or month to month or year to year as to whether it does affect my self-esteem. Uh, I would say that um, when I filled this out, I would have said, no, it does not affect my self-esteem. Response to the death of millions does not affect my self-esteem. Got away with it. Now, there I may begin to say it does affect my self-esteem because I'm beginning to realize that I haven't been doing enough to expose that kind of hatred. Uh, maybe I've been the people pleaser too much. So I feel bad about myself because I've been allowing this to happen. Could happen again, same kind of thing. I may say, no, it does affect my self-esteem, how I feel about myself because of, uh, <coughs> excuse me, because of um, that I'm not doing enough. Uh, a person on the cell phone in the movie, you know, thinking only of himself, doesn't affect my self-esteem. Bothered everyone, including me? Maybe. Uh, made me miss part of the movie. Doesn't affect my self-esteem. Broke my mood. Doesn't affect my self-esteem. So I'm, I'm just giving examples. I, I, I've written down, and this is uh, something that you can get from a link on that website. I wrote down a shoemaker once. Uh, did a lousy job in my shoes. Doesn't affect my self-esteem. Now, for some people, that might. They might take it personally. Uh, he didn't apologize. Eh, might have affected my self-esteem. I yelled at him. That affects my self-esteem. So we just put check marks uh, in, or ticks, as they say in England. Uh, you know uh, whether it affects my self-esteem or doesn't. The next uh, subcategory is security. 
how safe I feel, which include pocketbooks, and pocketbooks is an old way of talking about money, and my financial security or my sense of security in general. So different things might affect my security. A guy who cut me off on, uh, by, on the bicycle, you know, could have killed me. Well, that affects my security. It sure does. Uh, could kill others. Well, it doesn't affect my security, uh, although I may have a generalized sense of security, so I may put down effects of my, uh, my security. Um, you know, the, the, the shoemaker who did a bad job, eh, it doesn't really affect my financial security. Uh, didn't apologize, doesn't affect my security at all. I yelled at him. I may decide that does affect my security because if I can't control myself um, in relation to such an unimportant thing, then I can be in trouble in terms of my own safety. Maybe my anger has to be uh, uh, dealt with. I, I don't know. I, 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 uh, I don't even know what I put down when I wrote that down. That's security. The third is ambitions. Ambitions is what we want out of life. And the, the, my, my general experience is that ambitions are always uh, checked uh, for every one of the things on, in column two, every one of the points. Um, I, uh, if, 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 if something is happening that I don't think should be happening, and that's what all these things are in column two, then uh, the chances are great that it's affecting what I want out of life. I don't want these things to be happening. So I've generally found myself checking under ambitions every single one of the points. But I consider each one. Maybe, maybe one of them doesn't affect my ambitions. I don't know. So I'm, I'm serious about it. I want to analyze it. So I put in a check mark or I don't put in a check mark as it, as it uh, uh, is appropriate. The next uh, subcategory is personal relations. Uh, some of these have affected my personal relations. Some of them haven't. Um, you know, uh, going back to, to Hitler, spawned anti-Semitism. Well, if I grew up with anti-Semites, which I did not, uh, it, it, it might have affected my personal relations. If I'm currently dealing with someone who I think is an anti-Semite, then it does affect my personal relations. It really depends on the situation. Uh, Many of these things will affect my personal relations, just the fact that I'm thinking about them when I'm not thinking of the people I should be thinking about, my friends, my, my, my loved ones. Um, and sometimes the fact that I obsess over things that are bothering me affects my personal relations with other people, not with the people who are bothering me, but with other people because I'm, I'm constantly living in the what-if-and-if-only mode where, where uh, you know, I'm, I may be speaking to a loved one and talking about something that's important to them, and I'm still thinking back to the person who hurt me. Uh, you know, uh, well, you know, there's a joke. Uh, you know, a normal person says, you stepped on my toe, and, a, and an addict, a compulsive eater, says, you stepped on my toe 10 years ago. Um, and and that's, that's been true for me. I think about these things, uh, these trivial things that most people put away, and, and, and I think about them over and over and over again. My wife, who's a social worker, taught me a wonderful social work word, which is perseverate, which is, I guess it means to obsess over. Uh, and I certainly have done that. And then there's sex relations. Uh, does this affect my sex relations? Um, sometimes it does and sometimes it doesn't. Uh, and it, it uh, a lot depends on the situation. And there's no right or wrong answer. And, uh, you know, it, it's not important uh, what, in fact, you write down. What's important is that you consider each of these points in column two and whether it affects any one of these subcategories. And the last uh, column is, is any fear involved? And there often is fear involved in, in many, of these, um, many of these points. 
So we've gone from column one, where we've isolated people, institutions, and principles. We've gotten things off our mind and onto paper. And I can tell you from personal experience that you, you sleep a lot better when that happens. You've got your list. The, the second column, you've gone to the second column, which is the reasons why these things are on the list. And it's a wonderful venting experience. I mean, you really feel better because you've just put it down. You haven't censored yourself. You've put down why these, these things are bothering you. And it's just it's wonderful to be able to write them down. And then the third column, you're beginning to go from the fact that they bother you to how they're affecting you. And the big book says after we finish those six subcategories, it says on page 65, the first thing apparent was that this world and its people were often quite wrong. To conclude, now on page 66, to conclude that others were wrong was as far as most of us ever got. The usual outcome was that people continued to wrong us and we stayed sore. Sometimes it was remorse, then we were sore ourselves. So that's why we put down people we've wronged as well. But the more we fought and tried to have our own way, the worse matters got. As in war, the victor only seemed to win. Our moments of triumph were short-lived. It is plain, the big book goes on, that a life which includes deep resentment leads only to futility and unhappiness. To the and, and this becomes so clear because the check marks that we've put down, you will see dozens and dozens of them on each page. And we'll see how the most significant parts of our lives, I mean, look at these subcategories, self-esteem, how, how good we feel about ourselves, security, how safe we feel. Ambitions, what we want out of our lives, our personal relations, our sex relations, these five things, plus the fact that we're full of fear, these things are all killing us. We can see that. We'll see them in the check marks. And that's the whole purpose of these check marks is just to show us how the fact that things bother us are, is killing us. We're living in a world of futility and unhappiness. And the big book says, to the precise extent that we permit these, do we squander the hours, we waste the hours that might have been worthwhile. This is true for everyone. They go on, they say, but with the alcoholic, whose hope is the maintenance and growth of a spiritual experience, this business of resentment is infinitely great. We found that it is fatal for us, for alcoholics, for compulsive eaters, for addicts. For when harboring such feelings, we shut ourselves off from the sunlight of the spirit. The insanity of alcohol, the insanity of compulsive eating, returns, and we drink, we eat again, and with us to drink, to eat, is to die. So ordinary people, normal people, can be frustrated by lives, by their lives. Things can go on, and it bothers them, same as with us. But with them, they go on. They don't eat over it, they don't drink over it, they don't take drugs over it. They go on with their lives. They sort of accept the reality that life doesn't go their way. But we do not accept that reality, and it's killing us. And the big book goes on and says, if we were to live, we have to be free of anger. And, and, and so things can't kill us. And when it says free of anger, I think what, they, what the big book means is not that we, we won't feel anger, but we have to be free of it. They go on, they say the grouch and the brainstorm. And, and, and Bill explains that the grouch is the, um, the uh, long-lasting anger, the, the, uh, the thing that goes, it goes on in your mind. And the brainstorm is the immediate anger. We're not for us. It says they may be the dubious luxury of normal men, but for alcoholics, these things are poison. Uh, my wife, who's the thinnest person I've ever met in my life, um, uh, sometimes has told me about people who bother her. 
um, and told me things about them that really, really bother me. And then we've gone to a, a party or something, and, and there is that person. I can't even be in, I, this before the big book, um, and, and OA, I couldn't even be in the same room as that person, but guess who was talking to that person? My wife. She, she speaks her anger, gets, it, gets over it, and then she can deal with whatever life uh, uh, gives her. But before uh, I started to work the 12 steps of Overeaters Anonymous, I couldn't even handle that. I just couldn't be in the same room as people who bothered me. And so I was being killed. I was eating over. Big Book goes on and says, we turn back to the list where it held the key to the future. We were prepared to look at it from an entirely different angle. We began to see that the world and its people really dominated us. That's what those check marks will show us. That third column will show us how our whole life, our, our whole life is compromised by our feelings of resentment, uh, our feelings of frustration, our feelings of fear. And once we begin to realize that, in that state, the big book says, the wrongdoing of others, fancied or real, had power to actually kill. How could we escape? We saw that these resentments must be mastered, but how? We could not wish them away anymore in alcohol. This was our course, bottom of page 66. We realized that the people who wronged us now, this is only dealing with people who wronged us. There will be other people on the list who haven't wronged us or wronged others. There will be people on the list we've wronged. There will be principles uh, that bother us, but they, they're, they're, they're not people. So the people who wronged us, the most difficult, uh, wronged us or others, really. You know, I, I, I put down someone on my list. I put down someone who insulted my father. Uh, well, you know, I wasn't personally hurt, but that my relationship with my father is such that 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 person wronged was, was someone I needed the, the following prayers to, to, uh, to, you, uh, to get rid of my resentment. We realized the people who wronged us, people in column one, who have wronged us or others, were perhaps spiritually sick. Though we did not like their symptoms, and that's what we've written down in column two, and the way these disturbed us, that's what we've put down in check marks in column three, they, like ourselves, were sick too. And here's the prayer. We ask God to help us show them the same tolerance, pity, and patience that we would cheerfully grant a sick friend. And, and this was a revelation for us. How do I, I... I'm not looking to forgive these people. Interesting enough, the big book never uses the word forgiveness. I, I've had lots of discussions with people about forgiveness. Uh, the big book doesn't use the word forgiveness in the sense of it doesn't ask us to say, you no longer owe us a debt. Which, I, which is, uh, I think, the, the best definition of forgiveness. Uh, I have no right, by the way, to forgive the person who insulted my father because it's my father who was wrong, not me. Um, I can, if I want, forgive people who have uh, hurt me, but I don't have to. What the big book wants me to do is treat them with tolerance, pity, and patience as I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. And I, I use a couple of examples to deal with that. Um, there are lots of people in this world who have brain problems, people with Tourette's, people who have tumors, uh, or are feeling physical pain, that if we know about their condition or experience mental illnesses of other kinds, who say things or do things, that if we didn't know that they had these problems, uh, we would get very angry about it. But because we know they have the problems, we don't. 
Um, you know, Tourette's syndrome is a, is a, is a good example. Um, the pain that people might feel in childbirth. I remember when my wife and I went to birthing classes. Um, we were told about the moment of transition uh, uh, where, where, where our wives, uh, we, we husbands, were told about the moment of transition where our, our wives would yell and scream at us for having um, uh, uh, helped them conceive and, and, and blaming, blaming us. And don't worry, it's just the pain, it's the hormones, they love you. Kids will say, Daddy, I hate you, or Mommy, I hate you. Uh, we know they don't. Uh, they may hurt us slightly, but we know that they don't mean it. So we, we, we understand and we don't take uh, offense from a lot of people who say things that bother us. Why can't we look at other people as being spiritually sick, as having that same illness, that same inability to, to handle their reality? Uh, people in extreme pain of all kinds uh, are grouchy, they, they're, they're testy, they, they don't say things nicely. Well, okay, we, we understand that. Why can't we understand that uh, for others? So here's the prayer that, that is suggested. Uh, God, this is a sick person. Please grant me the same tolerance, pity, and patience that I would cheerfully grant a sick friend. Um, this prayer has worked for me for most of the things on my list. It hasn't worked for all of them. There are some people um, who are on that list who were so deep in my, in my anger uh, basket that I couldn't, um, I, I, that this prayer wasn't good enough. And uh, it was, uh, luckily, people pointed uh, page 552 of the big book out, uh, the wonderful story uh, called Freedom from Bondage, where um, a, a woman was going to begin after 20 years of uh, sobriety to drink over her mother if she didn't get over the things that bothered her about her mother. And she's given a magazine, um, uh, interesting enough, with all the great AA historians, no one has yet identified that magazine, and no one has yet identified the writer of that article. But it's an article by a minister who... Um, uh, who says, if you want to get rid of a deep-seated resentment, pray for that person to have everything you want out of life. Whether you mean it or not, just pray for that person every day and, within, and do it every day for two weeks. Within two weeks, you will no longer feel that resentment. And I, I had to do that with, with Hitler. I had to do that with uh, some specific people who are too personal for me to talk about over the phone. But what I did was I... I uh, I had to think first to myself, well, what is it that I want out of life? Because clearly, how can I pray for them to have what I want out of life if I don't know what I want out of life? You know, my experience has been that by the time you reach this stage of your OA career, what you want out of life is what I wanted out of life at any rate was, was some simple things. I wanted to be serene. I wanted to feel useful in life. And I wanted to be able to love and to be loved. Those are pretty basic human needs. Uh, and they went far beyond the kind of, you know, I want, I want to be rich. Uh, you know, it went far beyond that. Well, when I started to pray for Hitler, who was already dead, of course, to have peace, to have serenity, to be able to love and to be loved, to be useful in this world, I began to realize something very basic. People who do evil, or people who just do bad things, not just evil, um, are people who do not have serenity. 
who are not useful in life. Quite the contrary, they're, they're, they're harmful to life. And they aren't capable of being loved or of loving, really. They may think they are, but they're not really. Not the way I want to be. Not my aspiration. And I began to feel... Well, first of all, I began to realize that these people, the more harm that they did in life, the less of a chance they had ever, ever to have what I want out of life. I began to realize I have a chance of achieving these things. I'm beginning even, using the steps, I'm beginning even to have those things. And those people will never have the chance. The more harm they do, the more harm they do to themselves. They block themselves off from whatever is good in humanity. They become less and less able, uh, they have less and less potential of becoming human. A, a very powerful thought, um, and, and, and one that, that filled me with intense pity, not superiority pity, where I said, oh, I'm better than they are, because I also spiritually think. But a sense of pity and it's sort of a, just a, sort of a such a sadness uh, about those people, not forgetting what they've done, not even forgiving what they've done, but realizing that the more harm they did to others, the more the more they cut themselves off from whatever is good about humanity. And uh, it, it's a very powerful prayer, and I really recommend it. It has worked. I have had. I have not suffered as much. In my life, I haven't suffered anywhere near as much in my life as a lot of other people I've met in the program. People have suffered from sexual and physical abuse at early ages or uh, over long periods of time. That's never happened to me. But they're the ones who have told me that these prayers have helped them deal with that person. They have helped, it is, and, and, and so I can only tell you that, that this prayer has saved the lives of countless numbers of people. So I, I, I recommend it to you. I recommend it to just to pray for them to have something like serenity and peace and to be able to be useful and to be loved and to be loved. Uh, because I, I have a suspicion that's what you would want out of life, too, if you began to uh, say that. Once you deal with that, and once you begin to look at these people with, with pity, tolerance, pity, and patience, then it's time. And sometimes it helps to work this through with someone. I mean, obviously, if, 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 you, if, you, if you find you can't do it yourself, you, you might want to work it out with someone else, a sponsor, a therapist, or something like that. But whatever it is, uh, this, this does work. Once you've done that, it's now time to do the real work. I mean, this is all prelude. This is all just getting things prepared. Uh, the big book says on page 67, referring to our list again. Putting out of our minds the wrongs others have done, we resolutely looked for our, our own mistakes. And the forms that you see, uh, and the recommendation, uh, and this comes from Joe and Charlie, the AA Big Book uh, speakers, you fold over the form in such a way that columns two and three are no longer visible, and column four, which is our, our part in it, uh, is, is aligned right up to column one, the people, institutions, or principles. Um, on the forms that you can download from oabigbook.info, you'll see some dotted lines, and that's where you make the, the folds. There are two ways of doing it. It's, uh, you'll, you'll figure it out. It's a little complicated, but it works. Um, so you put out of your minds the wrongs others have done, 
And now you've got right beside the people, institutions, and principles who have been bothering you, you've got selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened. That's the big book question. Where were we? Where had we been? Selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, and frightened. I want to discuss that um, just for a moment. Um, The big book's definition of selfish is very, very different. Uh, Diff may not be the word. It's more inclusive than the dictionary definition of the word selfish. The dictionary definition of the word selfish is I want my way for my own pleasure, my own peace, my own uh, needs. Uh, that's how we think of it, selfish. You know, don't take that, uh, don't take the last piece that's being selfish. You're not thinking of others. But selfish from the big book perspective is defined uh, at the beginning um, from, from page 62 to page uh, 62 in the discussion of what it means to turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understood God. And, and the word selfish there is used for, to, to describe the person who is an actor but who wants to be the director and the producer and the writer of the entire uh, uh, play. Uh, the person who wants to be God, the person who wants to be in charge of life. Uh, the big book shows us, and I think demonstrates pretty conclusively, that that is our problem, that we really want to be in charge of life. Um, so selfishness in the big book is defined as simply wanting my way, wanting my way rather than God's way, if you will. Uh, whether the motives are good or bad, uh, I, I don't want the Holocaust to have occurred. Uh, if, that, if I'm obsessed over that, um, that's being selfish, even though my motives are entirely worthy. I mean, I don't want people to suffer in this world. I don't think people should suffer in this world. There's nothing wrong with believing that. But if it's killing me because people are suffering in this world and nothing's happening, uh, if I want to be in charge of life and, and, and life isn't going my way, then I'm being selfish from the big book perspective, certainly not from the dictionary perspective. My not wanting suffering in this world has nothing to do with the, big book, uh, with the um, dictionary definition of selfish. But from the big book definition of selfish, that's, that's what I, I'm being selfish. So that, uh, you know, I, I wrote down, um, <coughs> excuse me, you know, I, I would have written down, for instance, for, for uh, uh, I'll give, give some examples, for Hitler, my selfish, I wanted him to be something he was, wasn't. I wanted reality not to exist. I want life to be different. I don't want suffering. Now, many people would think of those as being commendable concepts, but for me it's an indication that these are the things I want to have happen that were not, that did not happen. Um, people are suffering. It won't get any better. My selfishness was, I don't want people to suffer now or in the future. In other words, I don't, I want life to be different from the way it is or it has been or it will be. Um, I've talked about the shoemaker. I, I, I wanted perfection. I wanted him to apologize to me. I wanted him to act the way I thought he should act. Um, I, I, this comes from, uh, uh, I'm reading from a, a big book study I did in 2008 and that, that there's a link to uh, on, the, on that website. Uh, I have an imaginary wife. It's not my wife. She's she's an angel. But uh, selfish. I want her to do what I want when I want it, in all respects, in every way. So that's selfish, the dictionary definition, uh, uh, not not the uh, the big book definition. 
So there are all kinds of different kinds of selfishness, but at the very, very least, selfish is I want life to be different from the way it is. I want these people to be something they aren't. That's selfish, and uh, you know you, you, you can just write it down in point form because it becomes very clear uh, where you are being selfish. And dishonest. Where, what is dishonesty? Well, the big book's examples of dishonesty are, are, are the natural ones, lying, cheating, stealing, all the things that, that drunks are supposed to do in their stereotypical uh, existence. Uh, I find that there, and of course, if we, if we have been dishonest in that respect, we write it down. I think that there are two other aspects of dishonesty that are important to isolate, especially for the people-pleasers among us, uh, and I expect that there are a lot of us around. I'm certainly one of them. Um, a dishonesty can be lying to myself about reality. So, for instance, for Hitler, my dishonesty was he died before I was born. The Holocaust ended before I was born. And, and that, that's lying to myself about reality. How can I obsess over wanting things not to have happened when they happened before I, had, I was even born and they happened in a way that I could not do anything about anyway? There's this, it's lying to myself about reality. Um, and there's another kind of dishonesty, and, and that's one that, that is very common, not telling the truth when the truth should be told. Uh, I've gone through life being a people pleaser, I haven't told the truth when the truth is told. And it has harmed me and it has harmed others when I have not said no, or I have not said I'm sorry but I disagree, when I've pretended to, to uh, do things for, because I wanted people to like me. Um, and, and that's a dishonesty that has been tremendously um, uh, sort of insidious with me. And then there's the word self-seeking. And I think self-seeking is, is just a simple concept of self-esteem issues. It's, it's all about me. Uh, I think about these things in relation to me. The, the, the guy who cut me off on the bicycle could have killed me, not just anyone, but me. Much more important that he could have killed me than could have killed anyone else. Who cares about other people? It was, it was me I, I worried about. Um, you know, I, uh, uh, self-seeking... Um, I wrote down for Hitler, the things Hitler was responsible for have shaped how I look at my people and myself. I'm looking for how these things or institutions, these people, have affected how I feel about myself. Self-seeking, seeking myself in these other things, letting them define how I feel about myself. We'll find when we get to the self-conduct form that self-seeking has been turned around and is now called inconsiderate. If I'm self-seeking, I'm thinking of me and not of the other person. When I'm, when I'm in a relationship and I'm self-seeking, I'm thinking about how they can, they can make me feel better rather than my thinking of them and their needs. So that's, a, uh, that's what self-seeking means. That's the most difficult term in the big book, and it's, it's not picked up a lot later on. It's picked up in inconsiderate, in the, fear, in the uh, sex conduct form, and then it sort of disappears when we get to uh, discussion in step uh, 10, and uh, step 11. And the last one is frightened. What fears do I have in relation to that person? Uh, my fear in relation to Hitler was it could happen again. Uh, my fear if a guy's talking on the cell phone in a movie might be that I'll always run away from confrontations. Um, 
if people are suffering and it won't get any better, my fear is that people will continue to suffer. Um, I have all kinds of fears, and I would write them down as well. And that's the resentment form. I write them down for every single person, institution, and principal who's on. And, you know, if you're doing this for the first time, you may not figure out for each person, institution, or principal all four of these character defects. But you will eventually realize how each one of these character defects applies to uh, any of the uh, things that uh, any of these people, institutions, or principals. Uh, help, have your sponsor help you work through them, but you'll, you'll find that out. Um, these are four character defects. These are the cores. There's nothing else. I, you know, I used to gossip about a particular person many, many, many years ago. And it was terrible for me to gossip about that person. But just to write down gossiping doesn't give me as much insight as selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, frightened. I wrote that person down. Uh, why does he bother me? I wrote down why he bothers me. I wrote how it affected me in column three. And then I, I realized he was a sick person. I said the, the resentment prayer, he was a sick person. I had tolerance, pity, and patience for him. And then I was able to, what is my role in this? Where was I selfish? Selfish, I wanted people to like me more than they liked him. Dishonest, I wasn't telling the complete truth about him. The gossip, uh, actually, the gossip I, I spoke were, was actually a true story. But I wasn't telling the truth behind it which was that what I was laughing at was really a mental problem that he had that came out in ways that were laughable, or at least I thought they were laughable. What I really realized, they weren't that laughable. They were uh, symptoms of a mental problem this person had, and I was making fun of someone with a, with a, with a problem. Self-seeking, I wanted, him to, I wanted people to like me and to think less of him, and frightened that he would find out. Now, I find that a much more powerful analysis of my gossiping than just putting down the word gossiping. Putting down the word gossiping makes me feel bad about myself. Putting these four things down makes me realize that I have four character defects which are killing me in relation to the world. So that's, uh, that's uh, the resentment form. It's very straightforward. I, I'll, I think you can see why it shouldn't take too long to work uh, to uh, fill it out. You know, even if you have uh, 60, 100 resentments, you end up finding patterns. You know, I found, I found tremendous patterns with my parents or with my sibling or with my, my loved ones, my kids, so that I was able, you know, let's say I had uh, five, as I remember I talked about five friends, I'd have five friends. Well, my selfish, dishonest, self-seeking, frightened turned out to be exactly the same with all five of them. So I could just put in little ditto marks to, to show that um, it was the same as, as before. So those are the four character defects as isolated in the uh, resentment form. Now, the big book says we look at the fear form and then the sex conduct form. And what we will find is the four character defects that we've isolated are now discussed in these two forms. The fear form now discusses the frightened part in, 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 in our core uh, character defects that we've isolated in, in resentment. And the sex conduct form will discuss selfish, dishonest, and inconsiderate self-seeking. So we, we move from the identification of these character defects to dealing with them and seeing how they play out. <coughs> excuse me. <coughs> Sorry about that. Just uh, excuse me for a second. It's tough to get somebody to speak. 
Okay. So the fear form is really simple. The resentment form is the, is the biggest form, you, is the longest form you fill out, and I'll tell you, I don't think it should take longer than, than uh, two or three weeks. You really are uh, dedicated to this and really are anxious to get your, 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 um, your uh, step four done quickly and get on to your step five. Um, I, I think you'll find it. Uh, you can do it really quickly. Well, the fear form uh, is, is say it has columns. First of all, you write down what you what you fear. What are, what are your fears? And uh, what what I've done is I've written down you know the people, institutions, and principles I've isolated in in uh, that, that have caused me fear in my resentment form. And I've also written down other fears that I don't think about that aren't resentments uh, in in and of themselves. I, I mean, I I remember when I first did the fear form, um, I wrote down I I fear death. It wasn't something I think about a lot, so it's not something that I came into my resentment form. But my fear of death was something that was, it was a fear. I, I've had other fears. Uh, people put down fear of heights or fear of flying or things of that sort. Might put down fear of uh, walking around at night. Uh, you know, uh, I, I know lots of people who have uh, fears like that. Uh, fear of, of being assaulted. Uh, uh, fear of a particular kinds of people, stereotypes of people, uh, fear of people who loiter in, 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 in uh, doorways on the street, um, you know, the kinds of things that, that many people are afraid of. So you write down each one of them in column one, and you're just listing your fears. Your fears are people, institutions, and principles that you've identified have caused you fear in, in the resentment form, and fears that you may have that aren't uh, in people, institutions, or principles that uh, that you think about all the time, and then the and again you fill out that first column. You just put it down. It's amazing to look at those fears. You know, I uh, I there was a time when my daughter was uh, 19 and went off to Europe, uh, uh, backpacking with a, another friend, and I I put her down uh, in, in one of my step fours. Uh, she at that time she was. She was doing well. There were no other resentments, but, but she was there because she was on in Europe, and I was, I was concerned about her. So the second column is, why do I have the fear? And, and this is a really important column because we move from the generalized fear to being much more particular about why it is we have those fears. We'll find out in many cases that some of those fears are relatively reasonable. They're, they're, they're concerns. They're things that might happen that are reasonably possible, that reasonably might happen. Happen, You know, I mean, when my daughter was off in Europe backpacking with her friend, I certainly had reasonable concerns that, you know, her tent might leak. She might lose her luggage. Um, she might have to spend some time... Uh, awake uh, all night because she couldn't find a place to stay. Uh, she might run out of money. These are, these are reasonable fears. Um, uh, they're reasonable concerns at any rate. But, you know, as I let my fears go as the kind of scared guy I, I guess I was at the time, I, I went from fears like that to fears that she'll be assaulted, uh, fears that she'll be robbed, fears that she'll be kidnapped, fears that she'll be put into white slavery. You know, and these are fears that just build and build and build. Uh, and, and there are many fears uh, like that where, where we think about reasonable things and they get worse and worse and worse in our minds. 
So writing them out in the, in the second column really assists me in understanding where my fears are coming from. Uh, so we write down all those reasons down in, in the second column before we go on to the third column. The third column is the gimme column. Where was my trust and reliance? Was on an infinite God or my finite self? Ooh, I think it was on my finite self because if I was relying on infinite God, I would not have those fears. So it's just a, sort of an exercise where we check on my finite self. And did self-reliance work is the fourth column. No, I don't think it did, because if it did work, I wouldn't feel fear. So we put down no. And then, and, and we, yeah, again, we go down the column. And the next column is the fear prayer. And it's a brilliant fear. Uh, it's a brilliant prayer. God, please remove my fear and direct my attention to what you would have me be. Not do, but be. What kind of a person would my higher power have me be? Now, I have spoken on what my higher power is. My higher power is no, is no God in the normal sense of, uh, of, of the word. It's just truth, love, justice, and beauty. So I ask myself, what would adhering, uh, being, uh, following the path of truth, love, justice, and beauty have me be? What kind of person would I be in relation to these fears I have? So there's, you, you say that prayer in relation to each one of these. And then you write out, well, what would God have me be? Well, what is it? What kind of a person would I be to deal with these fears? Well, you know, taking, you know, fear of death. Is, fear of death, by the way, I, I found out as I wrote down on column two. I, I'm afraid of death for a number of different reasons. One is that I, I have been. I, I don't know if I am right now, but I certainly have been. One of them was I'm going to miss out. Uh, second is I was more concerned with how I die than dying. I didn't want to suffer. I didn't want other people, I didn't want to be dependent upon other people. I didn't want other people to feel bad as a result of my death. So th these were things that, that, that I hadn't really thought about when I just said, I'm afraid of death. But when I wrote it down in column two, why I was afraid of death, I began to realize some of them were not um, related to the death as much as related to other people and their reactions and my reactions to being dependent upon them. Anyway, when I come down to what God would have me be, uh, you know, it, it, the, 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 the phrase is a person who, person who is. Uh, so what would God have me be in relation to my daughter? Well, I would say a loving father who, who makes it clear that he is available if needed, who helps as much as he can, and who lets his daughter grow up. What are my choices? I have no other choices. She's in Europe. I'm here. I'm available if she needs me. And there's nothing I can do about any of those other things. Death. A person who lives today. A person who has other... Who, who tries to make it so that people are happy that they came in contact with him. And glad for him. A person who accepts suffering in himself, a person who accepts help from others. You know, that's what I, I would have written down. Uh, these, these are, I mean, it's all individual, but you write down uh, a person who thinks of others rather than himself, a person who is careful, a person who takes into account dangers and risks but does what is necessary, a person who holds on to his principles regardless of what people think, a person who is a recovered compulsive eater who has worked the 12 steps, 
a, a person who was the best employee or boss or father or mother or brother or son or daughter or, or, or sister uh, that I can be. Uh, a, a person who is tolerant, uh, has pity, and is patient. You know, these are the answers that God would have me be. And the big book promises that at once we outgrow fear. And we do, because our fears are immature. What God would have us be gives us maturity. We're, we outgrow them. We have reasonable and measured reactions to the fears that we have. We have a sense of strategy rather than a sense of paralysis. The things that uh, we have fear about, we may still have, or may still be quite reasonable, but we no longer fear them. We accept them as, rea as real concerns, but we also know the best we can do under the circumstances. I, I, I have found this to be almost miraculous in its power, to, to move from fear to an understanding of what I have to be is, is overwhelming because my fears do begin to fall from me. I outgrow them. I become a mature person instead of just a scared kid. Uh, and and uh, I, I can only recommend it to you. I, I, I can't tell you how, how powerful it is, but it really is. That's the fear form, and you can see how short, how, how little time it would take to fill that up. And then we get to the sex conduct form, and just a few comments about this. First of all, that in 1939, when the big book was writ was published, it was written in 37, 38, um, the word sex conduct was much broader than it would mean now. Uh, sex now has a very physical uh, meaning to it. You know, sex conduct means how we have sex, how we uh, deal with other people in a, uh, sexually. In, in the uh, in, in the late uh, 30s and early 40s, and then continuing on, actually, uh, when I was growing up uh, in the 50s, uh, sex was more a discussion of relationships um, uh, in which there was attraction of some kind. Uh, so that, um, you know, I mean, it used to be to make love to a person meant simply to show your love and affection for that person. So you can see that, you know, words have changed uh, and, and become much more uh, specific in their meaning. Um, so sex conduct is, generally speaking, from, from the big book perspective, I think, uh, it includes, of course, what we now call sex, but it, it also means any relationship in which the body is speaking as well as the mind, in which there's some attraction so that it's harder. They're hard relationships to deal with. They're hard to understand because our body is also giving us uh, signals. We're attracted. The other person's attracted. And, uh, and they're difficult relationships. And, and what the sex conduct form will, will show us is how to be unselfish, how to be honest, and how to be considerate, or as or to reverse is how not to be self-seeking. Um, in relation to relationships, that are more difficult because our bodies are speaking as well as our minds. Once we know how to deal with those difficult relationships, we also get the idea of how to deal with relationships that are slightly less complex. Uh, we begin to understand uh, what it is that we can be. So uh, in this sex conduct form, uh, you would write down in column one, whom you hurt. Now, this is important. I, I, it's not everyone. You know, I, I, I may have hurt others, 
uh, and I would put them down uh, in, in my relationships. Uh, certainly, uh, if I accept the notion, as I, as I did when I said the step four resentment prayer, asking for tolerance, pity, and patience, or page 552, the concept of praying for people to have what I want out of life, if I accept the concept that people who do harm to others harm themselves, then I would, uh, and I think that's a spiritual truth, uh, because the more harm you do to others, the more incapable you become of being uh, the best that you can be, that is a, a real, uh, having the best potential as, as a human being. Um, then I would also write down people whom I've allowed to hurt me. Uh, but I don't, I haven't, I didn't write down all my uh, relationships uh, with women. Uh, because in not all of those, not that I had that many, but not all those relationships were hurtful, either them to me or me to them. Some of them were mutual and nice and friendly and, and ended friendly and continued friendly. Um, but I wrote down the ones in which there was hurt, I, you know, and, and I, I won't go into any details because it's not, uh, it's, it's, not, it's not my story to tell. But, you know, at times I put my wife down as well. Um, so whom did I hurt? So I, I would put down a person, and I just fill that out in column one. The the, the people with whom uh, it was uh, where my relationships were hurtful, either them for me or me for them. Uh, the second column is where was I selfish, dishonest, or inconsiderate? Again, that's taken almost straight from the core character defects of selfish, dishonest, and self-seeking. Uh, I can often just sort of copy what I wrote in the fourth column of the resentment form. I can often just almost copy what I wrote down there here if those people were on my mind. If I thought about an ex-girlfriend and, and I wrote down where I was selfish, dishonest, and self-seeking, that's where I would put down almost exactly the same thing uh, in, the, in, the, in the sex conduct form in column two. So I'm, 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 I'm starting from there and going on. And that's the brilliance of these forms, is that we're, we're not just stopping at our character defects, we're actually trying to figure out how to live a life without them. That's what we did with the fear form. We wrote, written down our fears, and we ended up with a strategy for life. And we outgrew our fears. And now we're going to figure out how to live a life that's unselfish, honest, and considerate. So where was I selfish, dishonest, and considerate? I've written those things down. Uh, and then uh, the next column is, uh, did I arouse jealousy, suspicion, or bitterness? These are all taken from the big book, and you can see them in there. Um, and the answer is sometimes yes and sometimes no. You know, I wrote down in relationships, I, you know, I wrote down some ex-girlfriends. I also wrote down, uh, people have heard me talk about this, I, I used to be very attracted to women who look like Mary Tyler Moore. Um, and uh, there have been people in my life who have looked like Mary Tyler Moore who have sort of put me in some kind of a sense of awe. Um, I, I can't talk to them. I, I, I can now, but I, I, at one point I couldn't talk to them. Um, and I wrote down that. I wrote down the people who, who looked like Mary Tyler Moore. Now, I didn't have a relationship with them, but I figured I harmed them by not treating them as ordinary people, by not giving them whatever you know, relationships might, might be reasonable under the circumstances, by not being socially... Uh, uh, polite to them or, or social to them. Uh, I wrote down uh, a good friend of ours with whom I used to flirt in front of my wife and in front of uh, her husband. 
uh, very close friends. The flirtation was nothing. It meant nothing. We were in no way, shape, or form, uh, you know, dancing uh, sexual dance of any kind. But we were in this weird flirting relationship, and I wrote that down because I thought it was harmful in the end. And I wrote down, you know, some of my ex-girlfriends. Um, and then we have column four, and column four was the mo- is the most significant one. Where was I at fault, and what should I have done instead? So here I'm looking at the relationship. I'm looking at where I was selfish, dishonest, and inconsiderate. And I'm figuring out how can I live my life differently? How could I, what can I learn from the mistakes I've made so I can be a different person? And generally speaking, <laughs> there, there aren't many answers uh, to that. Um, uh, yeah, I should have either gotten out of the relationship earlier or invest more into the relationship. I should have been more honest. I, look, I should have looked at the other person's needs rather than my own, um, which, which when you think of it, is really a, a very good learning process, a process for dealing with anyone, not just in, in any relationship. Either get out of the relationship or invest more into it. Think of others rather than yourself and be as honest as you can be. Um, that's what I've come up with. That's, what, that's mostly what people uh, uh, who've gone over these forms have come up with. It, it really is simple. And the guide now, we, we now have a guide to how to live a life that isn't selfish, isn't uh, uh, dishonest, and isn't inconsiderate. Uh, you think more of others, you invest in the relationship, or you leave the relationship. Um, and, and, you know, that's the sex conduct form. Uh, when you get to step 10, and, uh, uh, you know, you, you, you might find, as I have found, that step 10 is steps 4 through 9, using these same methods of dealing with, uh, with uh, resentments and fears and sex conduct. You might find that using the sex conduct form for any relationship is, is, is very helpful. I certainly have done that. And I have found it extremely helpful for any relationship. But at this stage, the big book is only asking us to deal with the, the more, more complex uh, relationships. Not the most complex, but among the more complex ones. So that's um, the big book's uh, promise. And, and then there are a- other aspects of the form where you say prayers, God, please mold my ideals and help me uh, to live up to them. Uh, God, please show me what to do about this, about each specific matter. But the, the essence of the sex conduct form is, where was I at fault? What should I have done instead? And, and that's the big book's approach. Um, I think you can see uh, a couple things about it. First, it can be done quickly. There's just no question that it's a, it's a reasonably quick way of doing things. Um, secondly, it gets right to the heart of character defects uh, and, 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 and has four core defects that, that really affect your entire life. Third, it shows you how you can live differently. Already at this stage, how you can live differently, which sets you up for amends. Because what, it, what are amends, other than a statement to another person, and followed by some action as well, uh, that it, I want to be a different person, I want to live a life different from the way I've lived it in the past, uh, I have to make up to you what I've done wrong, uh, and and I want to live this different life. I, I, uh, and, and once you embark on that path, of course, your defects of character will be removed. Uh, of course, you have to continue doing it, but that but that's what you have to do. So 
the the criteria that I started uh, with, so that you you do it quickly, uh, and it and it's um, uh, it, it it has its power. I, I think are fulfilled, and I think I've explained why uh, the Big Book method really really works, and why and how quick and powerful it is. The Big Book finishes on page seventy. If we've been thorough about our personal inventory, we've written down a lot. We've listed and analyzed our resentments. We've begun to comprehend their futility and their fatality. We've commenced to see their terrible destructiveness. We've begun to learn tolerance, patience, and goodwill toward all men, even our enemies, for we look on them as sick people. We've listed the people we have hurt by our conduct and are willing to straighten out the past if we can. These are the promises of step four. They're, they're important. They're not huge. Um, I, you know, we've begun to do these things. We've commenced. We've begun. Uh, the only direct promises we've listed the people we've hurt by our conduct and are willing to straighten out the past if we can big book goes on bottom page 70 going on to page 71 in this book you read again and again that faith did for us what we could not do for ourselves we hope we are convinced now that god can remove whatever self-will has blocked you off from him if you have already made a decision that's step three and an inventory of your grosser handicaps and gross grosser means the big crude ones not the yucky ones but the the, 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 the most obvious one, then you've made a good beginning. That being so, you've swallowed and digested some big chunks of truth about yourself. And that's, that's the promise. And, I, and I, I want to urge people who have never done this before. When you do a step four, don't try to be a perfectionist. Just get it done. That's the advice my first sponsor gave to me. It was great advice. Just get it done. Because if you start worrying about whether you're finished and, and you start saying, well, it could be better and, you know, things of that sort, you will, you will be more likely to relapse if you accept the initial proposition that once that we have a problem with our body and a problem with our mind, that our real problem is in our mind because our mind keeps sending us back to the foods that we know we can't eat or the eating behaviors we know we can't indulge in, then you know that as soon as you become abstinent and start working the steps, you're in a race with your mind. Either your mind is going to persuade you to go back to those foods and eating behaviors, or else your mind is going to be overcome by the steps. The steps will get rid of that mind problem, and you will be free of the obsession that sends you back to the food. So just get it done. Just finish your step four. Get on with it. Do your step five as quickly as you can. Um, You'll find that the promises in step five offer a tremendous checklist for whether or not you've completely finished your step four. The first time I did step four using uh, this method, uh, and I did a step five, I went through the promises of step five. There, are you delighted? Can you look the world in the eye? Can you be alone in perfect peace and ease? Have your fears fallen from you? There, you'll find that on page 75. Uh, and they weren't true for me. The person I was doing them with said, well, go back and you've, you've left something out in step four. And I did. I had left something out in step four. And I did some more step four. And and, and, and then we checked that checklist. And I still, hadn't feel, I still didn't feel quite what the big book promised. So I did more step fours. So in the space of a, a month and a half, I did four step fours and four step fives. Now, I didn't repeat myself. My, my step fours got shorter and shorter as I began to realize what I left out. I left out one or two things here or there by the end. At the end of that, I did feel delighted. I could look the world in the eye. I could be alone at perfect peace and ease. And my fears had fallen from me. So there's a good checklist. And so my advice is just get it done. Get it done as best as you can. Do a step five. See how it works. If you find you don't quite have those promises, figure out what you left off in your step four. Do another small step four, another small step five. Check the promises. 
And you'll find it much faster than going to a list of, of, um, of uh, well, of 3,000 character defects and figuring out whether you have each one of them. So that's my story, and I'm sticking to it, Leah, and I'm open for any questions anyone wants to ask. Thank you so much, Lori, for this very thorough, revealing, and transforming study on Step 4 this morning. We thank you for all your energy and effort on the line. And we now open the floor for any questions you might have regarding Step 4. You can press star 1 to unmute. Hi, this is Rifki from Vienna speaking. Hi, Rifki. Go ahead with your question. Sorry, I, I'm in the park process in the afternoon, so I might have some background noise, so I'm sorry for that. But my question is um, maybe a stupid one, but Lori, you said that you wrote down anybody that um, that you have resentment or that you you felt that harmed you or that you harmed someone. If you don't know that you have resentment to this person, how can you find out, like, um, maybe you have a suggestion how you can find out with yourself, with your inner feeling in the heart? I don't know if you can understand my question. I, I do understand it. That's a very good question. It's not a stupid one at all. It's a hard question. Um, let, 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 right. me, let, yeah, let, let me, have you finished it, Rivka? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I don't know if how can I find out if I have something against someone or not. If if it bothers me or not. Well, this I, is my I, question. I, I have a, I have a simple answer to that. If you're not sure, put it down. Um, and and if you are sure that it doesn't bother you, don't put it down. Um, right. Uh-huh. Uh, when in doubt, put it down. That's what I would say. And, ah. Uh, okay. And, 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 and you'll find out what bothers you. I think it's really important, though, to understand resentment, the word resentment is a very broad word. We think of it as being things I'm angry about. Well, I'll tell you, when I first started doing the steps, I didn't think I ever was angry at anything. I felt sad, but I didn't feel angry. I mean, I didn't realize how much anger I had in me. But um, a resentment, um, the best way of looking at resentment is something I wish were not true, something I wish wasn't true. So uh, it, it doesn't have to be something I'm angry about. It could be something I'm sad about or something that depresses me or something that bothers me, but not something that I'm angry about. I appreciate that the, the language of the big book often makes us think about a resentment as being anger. But, I, I, uh, you know, if you, if you think about a resentment coming from its Latin roots, re meaning again and sentira meaning to feel, resentira, a resentment is something you feel over and over again. It's something that you think about a lot. If you don't think about it a lot, I wouldn't write it down. There's no magic mm-hmm. to this. And the fact is, Rivka, it'll come out in step five. If at the end of the day you haven't written something down and you don't feel delighted, you don't feel you can look the world in the eye, you aren't alone at perfect peace and ease, uh, your fears haven't fallen from you, well, you left something out. So you go back and you do a bit more step four and you're, Maybe you write down the thing you weren't too sure about. So there's no harm done, even if you don't write it down. You'll find out. Either you will feel delighted, you can look the world in the eye, you can be alone at perfect peace and ease, and your fears will fall from you, in which case you've finished, well, you haven't quite finished step five, but you've certainly finished your step four, um, or, or not. 
So I, 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 I don't think there's a, a magical answer to your question. It's a practical issue. Does that mm-hmm. help? Thank you. Yeah, that helped me very much. And um, I don't know if uh, Ilayer um, allows to give out your telephone number to call you, or I don't know if this is... Well, the easiest way, uh, easiest way to, to get to me, because I really need to uh, have appointments, on that website, oabigbook.info, there's a place where you can click to, to email, the, uh, email me. So email uh, okay, me. good. And, and if you want to talk with me, I'll be happy to talk. Okay, thank you very much. Have a good day. Thank you. Thank you, Rifki. Rifki comes from uh, Vienna, by the way. Vienna? Wow. Yes. <laughs> Amazing. Anyone else with questions related to step four? Star one to unmute. This is Hannah Rivka. Yes, go ahead. Hi. Uh, Hannah okay, I have two questions. One is a brief question, if you can just redefine what brainstorm means from the big book. And the second one is in the fear inventory, if there are things that, let's say, several that I'm afraid I have fear in, let's say, relationships with several people, and they're all very similar, can I put that? Can I lump that all as one fear, or should I subdivide it into the, you know, into the different people? Uh, uh, for the second question, I'll, I'll quote Mark Twain, who said, "I'm I was glad to be able to respond promptly to his question. I said I didn't know. <laughs> I, I'm not sure of the answer to that. I, you know, I think you go with your own gut. If you think that they're the same, write them all, write them down in one. You can say the following people, you know, all in one." I don't think that there's a a, a, um, a magic answer. I don't think it can hurt to do it either way. Uh, so that's the first one. The second one, you know, I, I, I had it written down somewhere, and I and I don't have I don't I have it with me uh, today, um, or in where I am right now. In as Bill sees it, the section dealing with the grouch and the brainstorm is is reworded, um, and grouch, I believe is the long-term resentment where you just think about things, rah, 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 and the brainstorm is the immediate anger. Uh, I, it, it may be the reverse. It may be the grouch is the immediate anger and brainstorm is the uh, sort of long-term kind of thing. But that's, that's what he means, those two kinds of angers where one is you just get angry and you retaliate, and the other is you just think about it and think about it, and it gets worse and worse and worse and worse. That's what he means. Uh, he explains that that's what he means by both by those two terms. Okay. Thank you, Hanariska, for the questions. Anyone else? Hi, it's Sarah Grace, and um, I have a question. I first I have a comment, and, and it's like, wow. I mean, thank you so much. This was just absolutely mind blowing and just amazing. So thank you, thank you. And uh, one of the things that you said that I really appreciated was that um, if it doesn't bother you, don't write it down. I mean, if it isn't an immediate um, issue with you, then you don't have to write it down because I think sometimes I just, I feel like I have to dig really deep and, and that, you know, that I have to 
um, you know, bring up old material that I don't really feel is an issue with me anymore. So thank you for that. And and my question um, is, can you give again? Hello. Sorry, Grace, we lost you there. Press star one to unmute. Oh, well, I don't know how that happened. But anyway, I don't know what you heard. I No, you just said, can you clarify? And then I didn't hear anything. <laughs> I didn't hear anything. Question. Oh, you didn't hear? Oh, the question, well, did you hear my comment about appreciating that? that um, yeah, I heard that, and then I didn't hear the question. Oh, okay. All right. Well, the question was, I think I still get confused by some of the definitions for some of the words that we use in doing the inventory. And one of them is self-pity. So I was just wanted to know, again, what your definition of, of self-seeking and um, self-pity are. Well, the big book, thank you for the question. Uh, the, the big book... Um on page 62, says selfishness, self-centeredness, that we think is the root of our troubles, driven by a hundred forms of fear, self-delusion, self-seeking, and self-pity, we step on the toes of our fellows and they retaliate. So self-pity is used there as feeling sorry for ourselves. I mean, I, I certainly, as I said, I never felt angry. I never felt as if I had the right to be angry. I just felt sorry for myself and sorry for the world. Uh, I felt sad. And self-pity uh, was part of that, feeling sorry for yourself. I don't think there are many. I, I think the big book is trying to describe our reaction to the fact that life doesn't go our way. And ultimately, that's selfishness. Because selfishness is, I want life to go my way, regardless of the motives. It can be good, can be bad, can be a mixture. But I want life to go my way. Our reactions to the fact that life doesn't go our way is fear. can be fear, a hundred forms of fear, uh, Self-delusion, we're deluding ourselves about reality, uh, about our own role, about what we can do. Self-seeking, we think about ourselves all the time and not of others. And self-pity, we feel sorry for ourselves. And, and they have a hundred forms of them. So I think it's all helping us to understand that selfish is a very, very broad word. Much broader, much, much, much broader than what it is in the dictionary. I hope that answers your question. I'm not sure it does, but I hope that does. Thank you, Sarah Grace. Anyone else this morning with questions related to step four? It's Miriam. Miriam, go ahead. Hi, this is Miriam calling from Israel. Thank you very much, uh, Lori, for your sharing your experience of hope. I just wanted to give a little comment about uh, the resentment prayer. Uh, you know, I've been through the process already, and I did notice that there were a few people that they were coming very strongly again with very strong resentment. So I decided to take on myself, you know, to to pray the resentment prayer for 40 days because uh, there's, you know, some celebrations in my in my face. And uh, I'm telling you, I caught about nearly 31, 32 days, and uh, it's already showing a tremendous difference. It's just a miracle. Um, you know, I have no idea whether the resentment disappeared completely, but I, I'm I'm not feeling that bad when I see these people or talk to them. It's just absolutely a miracle. Thank you, God. And the other thing I wanted to I want a question is um, 
and the way you do your your step um do you ask people to do it more than once or do you consider that only once is enough and then uh, to live in 10 11 and 12 and I, with that i pass thank you thank you my i've been taught this and it it has really uh, helped me tremendously steps 4 through 9 give me the recovery that's promised uh in on pages uh 90, give, give me the two sets of promises that are, are found uh, on pages um, uh, 83 and 84. The standard ones are painstaking, we'll be amazed before we're halfway through, the new freedom, new happiness, uh, page 83 and 84. And give me also the promises at the bottom of page 84. We've ceased fighting anything or anyone, even our compulsive foods. Sanity is returned. We're seldom interested in, in the compulsive eating. Those promises come at step nine. And I've been taught, and I have, I have taken this uh, uh, you know, uh, powerfully, that I then live in 10, 11, and 12. But step 10 has to be understood, and it took me a while to understand this. One of the reasons I relapsed for six or seven years in this program uh, before I finally realized how I was misunderstanding step 10, step 10 is steps four through nine. We continue to do them, um, but we do them in the context of there being step 10s, not step 4 through 9. We've recovered already. Steps 4 through 9 give us the recovery. So step 10 allows us to continue to clean up the past. If I've made my amends on January the 1st of 2013, and now it's September, whatever it is, the uh, 8th of 2013, there are eight, nine months, was, yeah, nine months of, of, of past that I still have to clean up. And I, as a matter of fact, I was just doing a, a, a step 10. Uh, on, on, on some issues. So I do step 10s whenever I need to, and I, 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 you know, I have the, the, the book that's available on the uh, oabigbook.info uh, gives, gives uh, 12, 12 um, reasons for doing another step 10. At times I've done step 10s every week, and at times I've done them every year. It really depends on what's going on in my life and whether I've been able to, do my, to use my step 11s on a daily basis to deal with any issues that have affected me. Sometimes issues build up that I'm not even aware of. Sometimes issues uh, uh, come up that uh, have been niggling at me that I haven't dealt with on a daily basis, and I do a step 10 on them. So my answer is, once we finish step 9, we have recovered from this big book point of view. We have recovered, and now we, step 10, continue to clean our house. Step 11, pray to God for guidance. And step 12, help others. Uh, so it's uh, um, what are the uh, it's it's um, clean house, trust God, help others. That's steps ten, eleven, and twelve in a nutshell. Hope that answers the question. Thank you, Miriam. Anyone else? Star one to unmute. Question. Thank Good morning, Leah. Can I be heard? This is yes. Jerry. Go ahead. Yes, Miriam? Jerry. Miriam from Israel. Miriam. Jerry and then and then Miriam. Go ahead, Jerry. Thank you. Um, I'm so sorry that I um, tuned in late. I listened to the recording, and I did hear you once before. I'm relatively new to OA, and thank you so much for your blessed service and your wise words. And um, So here's my dilemma, and I don't want to be complaining and whining, so hopefully it won't sound, out, won't sound that way. I started, I'm in my um, mid-60s, and... Uh, started on the OA steps um, uh, last January, 
and uh, with a blessed sponsor, but I was in step four um, all of um, May, June, July, August, um, still in my resentments, just getting to the effects, and um, it was torturous. The summer was torturous, and finally, I sought outside spiritual counseling, um, someone who I had met three years ago, and she said, this is not working for you, you know, this is something is, is amiss here. So I parted ways with my sponsor and can't say that, you know, being new, I, it's hard for me to ask for help. I've reached out, just made a few phone calls. But, um, and I know that a sponsor, you know, is my guide. But would you suggest that I start from the very beginning with a sponsor, even having this notebook full of three, four hundred raging resentment? It was, it was really, and causes, and as I said, just getting to the effects. I could clearly see the problem was mine, and these resentments were just, you know, um, uh, I saw, I saw my defects. So thank you. I turn it over to you, and I know well, that well, this might be a dilemma for you, but I, I'd experience, I, I, I would appreciate your experience, strength, and hope. Okay, well, just so I understand, were you using this method of doing it, or was it different from what I? Yes, the big book, being sponsored by the by a big book sponsor in this from this meeting. Yes. Why did it take you? You know, so who I think to... was just so frustrated with me. So. I, but I just thought, I mean, I, I, did you use the forms, and, 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 and did you use just point form in the second column of resentment? I, I don't understand why it would have taken that long. I've sponsored people right. two, three hundred resentments, but it, it hasn't taken them more than a month to write down their resentments and fill out the resentment forms. So I'm just trying to say right. why it took so long. I was told to do it in a notebook and filled out all my, you know, kept going back more and more and more resentments. Then I had... Uh, to take those names and put them on in a notebook, another, and then write all the names, and the next column was causes, and write as many, you know, causes, write them simply, not too wordy, um, and just keep writing the causes for all the people. And um, then when we parted ways, I was just finishing up the causes and getting to the, it affects mine, you know, where I'm hurt or threatened, which instincts wow. are there. Well that I was just I mean, getting to that. Okay, I've I've never experienced uh, anyone who has taken that long uh, to do that. So I'm I'm wondering whether some something was lost in translation. But l let me just be, uh, let me get down to the number. I don't think it matters how you do it, but do it quickly. So if you're finding that somehow you're bogged down in in a method that I have found to be relatively quick, then stop doing it that way, and do it another way, um, because uh, obviously. Uh, uh, you know, what's more important is that you finish step four than that you do it, uh, quote, the right way, end quote. So I, 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 I guess, um, you know, it, it may be that it became more complicated than it should be, the way you were doing it. I, I, I don't know. Um, but, I mean, I, I, I've sponsored people with hundreds of resentments, and, and, uh, and, and they've... they've um, uh, they 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 finished they finished their step four relatively quickly within a few months. So I I I, I just wish I could help you more without without knowing exactly how so you did it. Would you would you two questions? One, um, I didn't use the form that I had found you know on the ah. website. I had to, you know used a notebook form. I think a form would have kept me a little. I don't know. I can't be sponsoring myself, but oh. it was just a little clearer to me. Even though I would do all the columns, you know, but I was told no, you have to do it in the notebook. 
it just got very overwhelming for some reason, and it got me nauseous, you know, and sick, literally sick. I was sick. I was suffering. I was angry. I was, I was in despair. I, I just, it was, yeah. was, I was wailing. Now, do I look for a sponsor to start at that point, or do you suggest, and I appreciate this so much, because I'm dedicated. I did relapse. This is life and death for me. Yeah. Jerry, you know, thank this, you so much for the question. Thank yeah. you. Well, I would, I, my, my answer is I, I would, um, I'm not sure I'd start again. I'd build up on what I've done. I, I, uh, uh, but I'd certainly put down on my resentment list the, the principle of, uh, I could have done this faster or I got nauseated or I've relapsed. You know, I, I'd, I'd put that down as a further resentment. Um, I don't know. My own, my own feeling is I'd, I'd start off. I, I, I would build up on what I've done. The thought of starting over again is just, uh, overwhelming. So, um, uh, the other the other answer is it may be that you may have three or four core resentments and that you you continue to write down little ones. You know, I, it may be that you only you didn't write down the grosser handicaps. You wrote down all kinds of things. You know what I'm saying? That 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 uh, that you 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 really should have done it a lot earlier than you did, and there was a sense of perfectionism that kept you from going on to step five. Maybe from your sponsor, maybe from you. I would, I would find. I just was on the resentments. I never even got to the fears. So, but yeah. thank you so much. You've yeah. really helped me just by even sharing this and okay. saying that I don't have to start from the beginning. Yeah, I felt very comfortable up till that point. Good. You know. Okay. So yeah, thank, thank you. Thank you, Jerry. Thank you so much. And now let's move on to Miriam. It was Miriam with a question related to step four this morning. Star one to unmute. Leah, this is Joan. I also have a question. Okay, we'll go with you, Joan. Go ahead. Okay, hi. Thank you. This is Joan S. in South Jersey. And uh, thank you, Laurie, so much for your, uh, your service. I especially thank you for the clarity and insight, both written and and spoken. It's um, much appreciated and very, very useful, specifically uh, the simplicity and the urge to move through um, really spoke to me. And I'm getting a lot from the writing and I I just really, that's my main comment. I don't have any questions at this time, but I thank you for the succinct and Thanks. I, I can. I can only say that I'm repeating what I've been taught, uh, and and uh, my, what I owe, and to whom I owe it. There are a bunch of people I owe it, but mostly uh, uh, Joe and Charlie, uh, the the three guys, the two Joes, one Charlie, uh, who were in AA, and and also a man named Blaine, uh, who comes from my hometown, who who taught me so much about the Big Book. So, I, and plus a whole bunch of other people. Those three, plus the Big Book itself. So I I don't I don't. You're thanking other people, not me. <laughs> Thank you, Joan. Anyone else this morning? Star one to unmute if you have a question related to step four. This is Susan. Susan, your turn. From Israel. Thanks. This is Miriam from Israel. Hello. We're going to go with Can Susan and then we'll get back to you, Miriam. We'll get back to uh-huh. you. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Go ahead, Susan. Thank- Thanks so much. It was so helpful to hear all that you all that you uh you shared with us this morning. So we're taught and you reiterated that all character defects boil down to the 
before, selfish, self-seeking, dishonest, and afraid. And I wanted to ask you if you could give an illustration, even though it seems kind of obvious, it would still be helpful to me, perhaps others, uh, a character defect of mine, which is inflexibility slash rigidity. And if you could kind of elaborate, I mean, obviously, the way it might manifest in terms of the dishonesty, selfishness, etc., may vary from person to person. But I still would love to hear your kind of take on how that relates to the the four gross handy, uh, handicaps or character defects. Thank you so much. Just, just repeat what you say uh, are the character yeah. defects that you isolate. Again, please. Oh, rigidity or inflexibility. It's kind of the same in my, my mind. Okay, rigidity and inflexibility. Well, uh, and I'm going to mute because it's very loud here. Sorry. Okay. Well, I, I mean, from, from my point of view, uh, I mean, I, again, to me, that's not a character defect. That's a reaction. You know, if I found that in relation to people or institutions or principles, I was rigid, uh, I was selfish, I wanted to be in, I want to be in charge. Uh, I want my way. Uh, dishonest, there are many ways, um, and I'm not in charge, and I'm fooling myself if I think I am in charge, uh, and or maybe I'm not speaking the truth when, uh, when it should be told. For instance, rigidity can often be a symptom of uh, saying, I'm sticking to this because I'm afraid to tell people what my reasons are. I'm just sticking to the rules without explaining what the, why, why I have the rules. So it could be that. Uh, self-seeking, I'm in charge. I have the right to be rigid. And uh, fear, I'm afraid of what will happen if things go different from the way I want them to, to, to go. And to me, those are far deeper than the concept of being rigid. I hope that helps. Thank you, Susan, for the it question. Does. Thank you. Miriam from Israel, please go ahead. Star one to unmute. We're looking for Miriam. Hello, this is Miriam. We hear Can you. you hear Go me? ahead. Yes. Okay. My my name is Miriam, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater from Israel, Jerusalem. And I wanted to ask Hilary if you can again explain the difference between dishonest and self-seeking. And just one, I, I, I listened to you and I thought I have a mistake in understanding because I was thinking that, that dishonest means that if I have a resentment toward my husband because I am selfish and I want him to be my way, that the dishonesty means that I have the fantasy that man has to be this way. And if they are not this way, I do everything to do, to, to every manipulation to make him behave this way. So can you help me with this mistake? <laughs> well, I, I, well, I think I, 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 I've experienced that, so I think I can give you my own experience in relation to that. Dishonesty yes. is one of three things, at least as I've analyzed it. One is, is lying, cheating, stealing. That doesn't apply here. The other is lying to yourself about reality, and, and, and sometimes I have been dishonest in not accepting that, certain, that people are who they are mm-hmm. and, and that they can't be changed. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. other thing is mm-hmm. not telling the truth when the truth should be told. 
I have been guilty of not explaining my resentment or explaining my concerns. Not explaining my resentments, explaining my concerns. Sometimes I have legitimate issues that I want to talk about to my spouse, for instance, uh, without, and I don't do it. I just resent it. I just want, you know, I mean, lots of us go through life expecting people to understand what we want without explaining it to them. And so mm-hmm. very often my dishonesty has been not explaining, not, ex- not talking about not telling the truth. Now, I, I want to emphasize, by the way, this doesn't mean I immediately tell the truth. That goes into step five, it goes into step six, step seven, and step eight and nine. Um, and, 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 and so I, there are many truths I, I could be telling to people that I have decided would cause harm to them or others, so I don't tell them. I'm ready to do it. But I, I don't tell mm-hmm. them because those truths would, uh, would harm them. So, but but mm-hmm. at the step four level, my dishonesty may be I'm just not telling the truth when the truth should be told. Self-seeking is, is, is they overlap. You know, let's, let's be clear, all four of these things overlap. Um, but self-seeking is ultimately, I deserve better. Or it's, it, it's, it's thinking of yourself rather than others. Or what he does makes me feel better or worse about myself. So if he doesn't do what he should be doing, I feel worse about myself. And I think that's the part of self-seeking that may be important in, in, in what you describe. Does that help? Thank you, Miriam, for the question. And we'll take one last question this morning. This is Esther in Canada. Esther, go ahead. Hi. Hi, Lori. Thanks. Thanks for your presentation today. I had a question on page 70 on that last paragraph. It tells us, um, you know, if we've been through our personal inventory and all the things we've done, there's a line there that says we've listed the people we have hurt by our conduct and are willing to straighten out the past if we can. So where in the um, um, four-step inventory process do we list the people we have hurt? And at what point do we say that we're willing to straighten out the past? Doesn't that um, come in steps eight and nine? Well, it, 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 it does come in steps eight and nine. That's when we really look at it. That's a mm-hmm. very good point. But I think the answer is that we have written down, when we write down our character defects in column four of the resentment form, we see how we have hurt other people. We see that we may have allowed them to continue to do harm to others, or we see that we have done harm to them, and, and we begin to understand that our spiritual sickness has had an effect on other people. And in, in the fear and, the, and, and especially in the sex conduct form, we actually isolate people we've harmed, and we know what, we could, what better people we could be than the people we were. So that's my answer. We, we begin to realize these things. We look on people as sick. We look on ourselves as sick. And we realize that that sickness of ours has harmed our ability to have relationships with others and, har- and, and have real relationships with others. And that's how we have harmed them. hope that helps. I don't have a better answer than that. <laughs> thank you, Esther. And, of course, thank you, Lori, for your time this morning, your service, and your insights presenting on Step 4 this morning. We really appreciate it. This uh, meeting obviously touched many across around the globe, so we appreciate it. I'm now going to close this special edition meeting in the way that we always close our meetings on a vision for you, and that's from page 164 in the big book.
Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.